Hey, hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of No Effort Human, the podcast. No Effort Human. This is uh, going to be a great episode. I'm really happy to be here because I got my friend, uh, colleague, collaborator here to talk about the next verse of the Tao Te Ching, verse number three. That's what's coming up for you. Let's get to the show. Oh, first, Lee, uh, this show is sponsored by Digital Chieftain, an amazing leadership program based on seven levels of high consciousness spiritual leadership. If you're interested, go look at digitalchieftain.com. Okay, great. So let's take a look at what we got going on today. Tao Te Ching, verse three. Arno, Arno, are you there? Are you with me? I'm here, David. Uh, very happy to be here and looking forward to discover this verse. Awesome. Great. Arnaud is the founder of a very cool project called Peaceful Creativity. You can go find him at peacefulcreativity.com. He is doing work with people and he's also doing work in organizations with creative leadership. And it's very, I love this project because, you know, there's so much stress there's so much uh, intensity. There's so much force around trying to be more creative and more productive and uh, being that artist in the world. And Arnaud has been an artist in the music industry. He's written music for video games and commercials and movies. And he's been in a band, uh, published lots of music. And this, you know, so he, he knows about how to be an artist and he comes at it from a very you know, the place of peace. How do you actually approach it with, with peace instead of all the force? Am I catching it right, Arno? Am I understanding yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, completely. I mean, during my years as a musician, I wasn't being peaceful. And uh, like about five years ago, I had this realization that there was no, you know, better tomorrow, that the only right time was right now. And that's uh, running after a chimera of, uh, I want to be a rock star, I want to be successful, would never make me happy. And that's what could make me happy was, you know, being at peace with every moment and enjoying, enjoying uh, the presence, right? So I wanted to combine the creativity, which is part of each of us, which is this natural force that we all have, that we express in different ways. I wanted to combine this creativity with this peace of mind and this joy of being in the present. Instead of, uh, as you said, this force and I need to be creative and I need to be productive and, and you know, always geared toward results uh, instead of just being in the moment and express ourselves and enjoy it. So, yeah, you, you, you painted it very well, David. Nice, nice. I, I love that. We've had, we've had some actual in-person conversations about the idea of going for expression over, over results. Yeah. You know, let the results take care of themselves based on your expression, focus on the expression, you know? And so I love that you're actually doing work on that because I know that for me, that's been such a hugely helpful concept. And I like that, uh, you know, you came to this realization that it's like, how, why am I postponing my happiness until I, you know, what am, what's going to happen? I'm going to achieve some, you, you know, my life is going to look like some weird image in my head and all of a sudden I'm going to be happy. Like that's, mm. that's, that's not how it works. And all of us who have done that, 
you know, gone down that route of trying to follow this uh, image in our head of what success looks like and exactly. then getting, getting there and then mm-hmm. being like, what the hell is this? This doesn't even feel, this does just feels like the same as it always felt. It's because we never dealt with the underneath, underneath feelings that were pushing that. So mm-hmm. it's great that you realized that and you were like, no, what if there's gotta be a way I can be peaceful now. There's gotta be a way I can enjoy myself now. That's, that's, that's so close to what the, the Tao I think is trying to teach us. Well, that's great because I, I'm not uh, familiar with this Tao and I'm happy to discover it in this context with you. Um, but yes, totally. Expression without expectation. Uh, I got that from you and I applied it in my life and I'm, I got amazing results out of it and um, I'm preaching it all around. And th- that's also something that I constantly need to remind myself because I still fall back into these old patterns of, okay, once I make this amount of money, then it will be okay. Once I have this, once my body will look like uh, this guy on Men's Health magazine, then it will be okay. Once I reach that, I still fall into those patterns and I need to consciously say no, the, the, come back to the present. The present is the only moment that matters. Stop postponing your happiness. So that's um, that's something that's very important to be, you know, to to repeat for others and for ourselves. Yeah, that's great. I love the way you put that. The presence is all there is. Stop postponing our happiness. I love that, and I completely agree. I have to constantly remind ourselves. We're we're so used to having. We're so used to thinking about the past, thinking about the future. You know, so much of my brain keeps trying to think about the future, anticipate the future, or how is this going to look? What am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about that? You know, and it's like, all of that is actually just distraction from the present moment and me being Mm -hmm. with like, what's here right now. Yeah. And uh, all of that is a lot of effort and your podcast is no effort human. So that's, that's great. So, so let's do it. Let's not put efforts there and just Let's just be and enjoy enjoy the process and express ourselves and, and look at this Tao thing. Great. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought it back to this idea of effort. It's very hard for me sometimes to explain to people that being in the present moment actually feels like much less effort mm-hmm. than all of our, you know, all of the thinking that we've been taught to do and striving that we've been taught to do. And you still get a lot of stuff done. You still get everything you need to do gets done. It's just doesn't happen with the same level of struggle. Yeah. That's what this podcast is about. So let's see if we can unpack that with the Tao Te Ching verse three. Since you are not so familiar, Arno, with this uh, material, I thought I would give, you know, there's probably some listeners out there who are feel the same way. So I thought I would give a brief uh, little intro here that I don't right. think I've done yet. So the Tao Te Ching was written in China roughly, you know, 22,500 years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. about the same time that the Buddha was alive in Nepal, in India. And it was about the same time that Pythagoras was alive in Greece. Oh. And uh, interesting, you know, uh, there's actually some similarity between all of their mm, messages, you know. But this is this is uh, possibly the most familiar, I mean, like the most uh, influential Chinese book. Uh, it's it's been translated into pretty much every language. It's, it's all over the world. And it's, the, it's kind of considered the principal document of Taoism. But mm. Lao Tzu is credited as being the author. But, and there's a, some legend about who he is. We can't really be sure about who he is. But um, he, he was supposedly the like, archivist, the, the, basically the librarian for an emperor in ancient China. And mm. uh, he became like, uh, he just devoted his life to studying 
all of the the ancient texts and um, and many different philosophies, and he became renowned as being a super super wise man. And one, and in, and in his retirement, he was traveling the country, and a general at some outpost at some bridge in China recognized him and said, "Hey, can you sit? You want to sit with me and talk with him? Talk with me." And after like a day of talking, the general said, before you leave, you have to write down this wisdom. This is like, mm-hmm. this, this stuff is so interesting and important. So the, he, the, the Lao Tzu agreed. And basically over some, I don't know how long it took him, but he stayed with the general apparently and just wrote down the key tenets of all the philosophy that he had learned. And, it, and that became the Tao Te Ching. Wow. And, uh, you know, what people think that others have edited it over time, that the current version that we have is kind of an accumulation of um, several authors' work. And the, the fundamental principle of Taoism, it's, you know, it's associated with the yin and the yang, but the mm-hmm. yin and the yang is much older than 2,500 years ago. The yin and the yang concept is, um, you know, is kind of like one of those things that was probably passed down oral tradition from mm-hmm. a long, long time ago. There's There's some ancient there's, there's somebody named like master fu from ancient ancient china that is accredited with with that so there's this is like the Tao Te ching is like a, a a culmination of many contributors to the chinese philosophy of harmony and a chinese philosophy of harmony and flow and I, and it's so attracted me for so long and one of the one of the books i read by a modern day philosopher dr wayne dyer is called Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life. And in that book, he goes through the Tao Te Ching. And oh, that's the, the the translation we're going to use is the same translation he uses in that book. So I just want to give credit to that. That really inspired me to go through each one of these verses. Mm-hmm. But when you do some... I'm going to actually share a couple different translations on this show because it is apparently very hard to translate this ancient Chinese into modern-day English. Every version of the Tao Te Ching that you read is different. Mm-hmm. So it's fascinating. But... Um, and the first, the, your first contact with this book was through this uh, modern day philosopher that you no, mentioned. No, no, I've I've known about Taoism oh. for a long, long time, but I never read the, read the Tao Te Ching until okay. um, until I started reading this this book, you know, like a couple of years ago, and I just was like every single thing the Tao Te Ching said was just ringing to me. It was just resonating mm. to me like a like a huge bell, you know. Mm. So I wanted to get more into it. So I'm doing this show uh, to learn how to apply the Tao Te Ching myself. And to uh, understand myself, how to be a no-effort human. Yeah, you know? I, I really like that because, so as I said, I'm not familiar at all with this book. So thanks for the introduction. And also, I have no clue what this particular verse will, will be about. And I like the randomness of that and that it's going to be some sort of message for me at this point of my life. So I'm super <laughs> excited to, to hear this verse. Cool. Yeah, let's see what, let's see what shows up. So the, the Tao is um, translated as the way. And Te is translated as strength or virtue. Mm-hmm. And the Ching is like scripture. So the Tao Te Ching is like the way of virtue. You know, it's the book okay. of the way of virtue, apparently. So let's jump into the verse. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll read the verse, the whole thing. And then do we'll go back. you have a little jingle before the verse? A little jingle? What do you oh, mean? Yeah. Like, 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 it's time for the verse. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You, uh, can you make one of those? You can probably make one of those in five <laughs> minutes because you're an amazing musician. Please make <laughs> me a Tao Te Ching jingle. And I'll be like, okay, everybody, here we go. And then I'll play the jingle. <laughs> okay, time right. for the Tao Te Ching. <laughs> first and now. Well, 
I'll, I'll tell you something, David. The jingle was within you all along, and you just <laughs> expressed it right now. So congratulations. You have your own jingle. <laughs> you pulled it out of me, man. You pulled it out of me. Okay. So here is I'll – I'll read the whole thing, and then we can go back, yeah, okay. and look at uh, each piece. Okay? So okay. here we go. This is the, this is the ver version from Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life. Mm-hmm. Putting a value on status will create contentiousness. If you overvalue possessions, people begin to steal. By not displaying what is desirable, you will cause the people's hearts to remain undisturbed. The sage governs by emptying minds and hearts, by weakening ambitions and strengthening bones. Practice not doing. When action is pure and selfless, everything settles into its own perfect place. So, we're going to pick that, pick that apart. But that was the third verse. That's it. Each chapter is wow. literally that long, and there's okay. 81 of them. So, mm -hmm. that's it for that one. What, just, what jumped out to you right away? Russians. Russians? What does yeah. that mean? Well, I'm I'm friend with uh, with a few Russians, and I noticed that they <laughs> all they all have in common that they really like to display their material wealth. You know, okay. so that they like shiny stuff. You know, like big cars and and shiny clothes and big watches, and they are doing kind of the opposite of what uh, was what you were reading in this verse. You know, like like hiding. The possessions and and they are like need to prove their their status somehow, and um, I think that's very interesting that a whole culture is is based on that because I, I talked with with one of them and and she was like yeah no sure that's the way it should be you know the man should make money and show it to people around to gain status. Hmm. And and we in in France I mean probably people do that as well but. Uh, It's not so important to to put it on everyone's face, you know. So the the, the view of French people to R Russian people or, or this aspect of Russian culture is like, wow, they are really showing off a lot. Yeah, but for for the R Russians, it's like, why aren't the why aren't these French guys showing off their stuff? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm no. just saying that the clear a uh, clear cultural difference that that came to my mind when you were reading the verse. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say in the U.S., uh, you know, I've seen both. I've seen people who like kind of hide how well they're doing. You know, they don't want to show off. But then other people who purposely show off. You know. Yeah. And uh, by the way, now everybody knows where your super sexy accent is from. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm expecting so many listeners to this because of that accent. So we'll see what happens. So, so why don't they listen to my show? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Arno has a show also. You should go look at it. So, um, so this is yeah. Okay. So what about what about you for for your life? Anything yeah. jump out to you there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I I will focus on the on the first part on the the position and status. I like to use my position and status as a tool uh, that can save save me time. For example, if I go to um, a networking event or if I go to a group of people that I meet for the first time, 
I like to dress up a little bit and maybe put a watch, not super expensive watch, but just, you know, a nice watch. And just to give the message that I'm, you know, I can be trusted because I know myself. I know that I can be trusted, but I like to save time on the first impression, you know. Mm. So I like to use, to use that as a tool. And uh, But once the first impression is made, uh, I don't... I don't. Need, I mean, I don't have an expensive car. I'm driving a Kia, uh, I, and I don't have like e external signs of of uh, of wealth, you know, that I need to to show to everyone. What What about you? How do you think about that? Yeah, I, well, I like this idea of the first impression, you mm. know, because people are people's brains already are taking first impressions of everybody. Yeah, you know, so it's like it's a process that's automatically happening. And I mean, it's, it's like a ridiculously small number of seconds. It's like eight seconds or something for your oh. subconscious to decide ex exactly what you think you know about someone else and whether you mm. like them or not, you know? Mm. And uh, so I like that, you know, that's normally a subconscious process. And I like that you're making that more conscious. Mm. You're saying like, well, here's, you know, I know this first impression thing is going to happen. So here's how I'm going to, uh, here's how I'm, I'm the first impression I'd like to offer, you know, yeah. based on who I am. And I think that's really good. I think that's really smart. Can I tell a story about that? Really yeah. Quick? Um, so in the beginning of 2018, I, I participated in a, in a seminar, self-discovery self seminar. And uh, so I applied what I, just, uh, what I just said. You know, I dressed up a little bit. I put on a suit. And the beginning of the first day, there was an exercise where everybody had to... We had some papers which were saying... Uh, statements like you look like the most arrogant person in the room you like like you look like the person with the least self-esteem in the room you look like the person i would like to know the most you know th there was like eight statements and six of them were negatives mm. and two of them were positive and the, all the participants so maybe 70 people had to go through the room and give those paper according to what they felt you know so you you had this paper saying bad things and you and you needed to give it to other people other attendee of the of the seminar and uh then there were a lot of lessons from that but i got i got everything man i got a lot of uh you look super arrogant but i also got a lot of you look like the person i want to meet the most and that was such a nice feedback because we never know what people think about us. We never know which kind of first impression we make. And through this exercise, I had like the realization that, okay, I was dressed this way. I was, uh, you know, talking this way, standing this way. And here's what, here is a sample of how people viewed me at that moment. And that was a very interesting experience that I, I felt the need to share right now. Okay, that's cool. So, so it was nice to... To, it was nice to to experience so clearly how people yeah. were experiencing you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I was displaying my status, or you know, some of my position, as they, as they say in the verse. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that sounds like a great exercise because that's also making this subconscious, you know, this subconscious uh, first impression calculation that our brain does more, yeah, more conscious. Yeah, yeah. That's really good. Really and, I mean, I have, I have more story about this exercise, but maybe for another time. Yeah. Like, so, so, some, uh, 
Okay, short version is uh, one of the girls, she started crying. She was like, I don't want to judge people on their first impression. I don't want to give them this mm. paper with these horrible things written on that. And at the same time, at the end of the exercise, a guy started to cry because he was like, I got so many things saying that I look interesting, that I'm the coolest person in the room, but I I don't feel this way. I don't deserve those things. So, you know, the, the first impression, the, the, the thing, we cannot know what people think and we cannot know which impact our actions will have on those people. You know, so yeah. the, the lady, she, she was afraid she would hurt by giving uh, uh, negative comments on a piece of paper. But for this guy, it was the positive comments that actually hurt him. And I wow. thought that was fascinating. Oh, man, this is so fascinating. So th this is ju that's such, just a, such a great lesson to stop thinking about what other people think of you because you don't know yeah. and you can't you control know, it. Yeah. You know, yeah, there's nothing yeah. you can do, even if you put on all the nicest shit. You know, if you even if, if you display yourself like, you know, in society's perfect version of who it, it thinks you're supposed to be, there are some people who are going to see you and be like, that dude is a fucking asshole. Exactly. You have no control over it. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And if you do something, you know, like, I mean, just anything could get that reaction because of someone's yeah. own personal shit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And you never know what someone's going to like about you. So that's a great reason to just always be authentic as possible because that Hell actually yeah. gives a chance for someone to to like to like you and you have no idea who, who's going to like you. Yeah, yeah. I keep being surprised. People tell, tell me, I really like this about you. And, and I'm like, what, really? Like even with the opposite sex, you know, sometimes I get, wow, you're super vulnerable. Uh, I, I find it very attractive. And me, I still think that if I'm not this cool guy who's super alpha and dominant, that I won't be attractive. And what I heard several times is, no, it's because you are vulnerable and showing your, your fear that you are attractive. And I, so I, I never know what people are going to like uh, about me. And I think we are all in this. So if you don't know, you might as well be yourself, you know? Yeah. Well, the point is you can't know. So yeah, you yeah. might as well be yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. You know, cause when you show vulnerability, like what is someone's actual, what is their subconscious telling them? You know, when you, when you say, Oh, I'm like, I'm afraid to talk to you or I'm afraid to share this with you, but this, mm. this, and this, like actually the message that that's giving is, you're courageous enough to still do it. It actually shows great oh, yeah. strength to be vulnerable, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think people's subconscious pick, pick up on that where, where you know, there's so much in society that tries to get people to do, you know, posture, pretend they have all their shit together, pretend they have everything going well so that they seem like, you know, the strong put shit together person. But on, on some subtle level, even below awareness, you can pick up when that's not true. You know, yeah. but if someone comes out and is like, you know what? Oh, this really worries me. I'm, I'm terrified by this and blah, blah. But, uh, you know, and I'm going to tell you and here's what I'm doing. You know, it's like it's like, oh, shit, that person actually isn't scared. You mm -hmm. know, that person isn't scared to, to show it. So it just shows such stability. It just shows such strength. And I think it also gives the message of I mean, people might also feel like, OK, this person isn't scared, but also this person is 
isn't isn't scared to share but this person is like me this person yes. is we're sharing the same fears you know and i think it creates connection yes you know? yes mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. you're you're sharing a deeper part of yourself the message the other person gets is like this person wants to connect with me yeah 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 yeah, 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 totally. yeah. so and th that's one of the at, because i participated for for the listeners i participated in one of uh, david's uh, amazing retreats that he organizes uh, a couple of times a year and one of the er exercises we did was looking at each other's in the eyes after we had done a special um you know meditation and we were doing pair and looking at each other's in the eyes and and What I remember from this exercise is the oneness of us all, and how we all share the same fear and wounds and 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 uh, primal energy, and that's that's amazing to to be able to share that with uh, with people, with strangers, even um, in such a retreat. I'm not quite sure why I'm saying this, but uh, <laughs> I felt the need to say. It. <laughs> well, thanks, man. I'm so <laughs> glad that you had that experience. I think what you're saying is very relevant. I, what you're saying is each time, I mean, what I'm hearing is that each time we are willing to get vulnerable with someone else, we remind them of the oneness of humanity. We remind them mm, of the yeah. deeper things that connect us all. And it's yeah. not just about, you know, it's not just about being authentic. It's also about being together, being in it together. Mm. Yeah. All right. So that, That was a bit of a tangent, but yeah. I think it still relates. <laughs> no, no, it's perfect because I think it still relates to this third verse because this third verse is about actually how people might react to certain things. You know, it talks about how don't if you if you overvalue possessions, people begin to steal. Uh, you know, by not displaying what's desirable, you will cause people's hearts to remain undisturbed. There's something in this though that I, you know, the Tao Te Ching. Remember, it was written by this archivist this okay. advisor to, to a Chinese emperor. So actually a lot of the verses come off as like, as like uh, in, advice to a leader, you know, mm, mm. I think that's why, you know, it says things like the sage governs by emptying minds and hearts by weakening ambitions and strengthening bones. Now I gotta, I gotta be honest when I, when I read that, I'm like, I get a little bit defensive about, about this. I'm not so sure about this. I'm like, wait, you're going to weaken people's ambitions. You don't want them to like, you don't want them to, be ambitious because that endangers your position of power, you know, like what, mm. what is this really saying? There's another translation that I want to read because it's quite different. I'll use the one from Taoism.net because that one I think is, uh, uh, this is an online version of Derek Lin's original translation. So Derek mm -hmm. Lin, that sounds like a Chinese last name. So maybe, you know, maybe we'll get, uh, get a different view here, but here's, here's verse three in this guy's translation. Do not glorify the achievers, so the people will not squabble. Do not treasure goods that are hard to obtain, so the people will not become thieves. Do not show the desired things, so their hearts will not be confused. Thus, the governance of the sage empties their hearts, fills their bellies, weakens their ambitions, strengthens their bones. Mm -hmm. Let the people have no cunning and no greed. So those who scheme will not dare to meddle. Act without contrivance, and nothing will be beyond control. So I think, you know, another look at this kind of like ambitions take 
is, you know, we could interpret this as it's talking about like darker ambitions. Mm. You know, it's talking about ambitions that are like based on, based on flashy stuff. It's talking about the ambitions to, of coveting, you know, what your neighbor has, right? It's talking about the ambitions of like, everybody wants to be the, the, the achiever. So they all fight to be the yeah, achiever, and, you know? And, and, and if you, I mean, I'm no, um, Asian history specialist, but I can imagine that if it's like 2000 years old, there was a lot of, uh, it was kind of at the, uh, oh, gee, I'm not finding the word in English, but when there's a king and people around him, there's a lot of betrayal and tr uh, like pe yeah. people stabbing each other in the back. So the, the ambition might be something very real for the guy writing this at the time. It's like, okay, I want to be the emperor, so I'm going to assassinate the emperor. And uh, so the ambition can be even darker, you know? Like, yes. You know, murdering someone to get his, his, his status, actually, what we were talking about at the beginning. Yeah. So there, there's something going on here in this verse that's related to saving people, helping people feel stable physically, helping people feel like they're being taken care of, you know, mm. in this, in this version, we hear, you know, we hear fill their, fill their bellies, strengthen their bones, you know? So if they're feeling taken care of, maybe they have less of this darker ambition, you yeah. know? And, uh, in, in, in the wiki, in the wiki source verse, it's like in the stages Peaceful in the sages, peaceful and tranquil world, people's state of mind is calm. People live with enough food. People's aspirations are lowered. People's physiques are strong. People will yeah. be unknowing, undesiring, and even the knowing ones will never dare to act. But then the last verse yeah, is... It's, it's, yeah, go ahead. It sounds like a way to... It sounds really like advices for a ruler mm -hmm. who doesn't want to have a civil war on his hands, yeah. right? It's like, keep your keep your people happy. And yes, it is a bit manipulative, as as I feel like you were pointing... Uh, you said that you, you are feeling defensive toward that, and I think I know what you mean, because it is a little bit uh, manipulating of the people, feed them and bring them, you know, the games, the arena games, so that they are distracted and they don't think about basically killing you and taking your spot but uh, again in the context of uh, ancient china it makes it makes total sense what you want as a ruler as a leader is to have peaceful and happy people who work with you work for you and and your subjects uh, so that you can keep your your power long term and okay that's manipulative in a way but it also means a nice Mm, lifestyle for for most of your subjects so in the end maybe it's not that bad i don't know yeah yeah and i think it you know if we if we if we interpret ambition and you know in this context as like the darker ambitions that you mentioned yeah. you know how much more effort is it to be constantly on guard because of darker ambitions because you're not taking care of people yeah you know so i mean one way to look at this is like If you take care of people, they're not going to come and try to attack you. It's actually much less effort. Hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And and the last the last verse is very interesting. The last couple lines, it just it says this in this translation from Wikisource, it says, 
action without action. There is nothing not done. Okay? That's what that one says. And then another one, it says, act without contrivance, and nothing will be beyond control. And then in the Wayne Dyer book, it's practice not doing. Yes. When action is pure and selfless, everything settles into its own perfect place. So I think, you know, the the point of this, and maybe that, you know, I want to I want to move toward like takeaways we can take from this, takeaways from our lives. But mm-hmm. it seems like the point of this is, you know, w- first of all, what are you modeling to people? You know, are you modeling the idea that all this flashy stuff is what's important because you're just going to create a whole bunch of people who all they care about is the flashy stuff. Yeah. You know? So if you want people to care about each other, you got to model caring about people. And that means taking, taking care as best you can of the people around you. And if you do that, they will basically want to keep following you. They will basically want, to you know they will not try to have these darker ambitions that disturb the peace but mm-hmm. you got to take care of them this is kind of saying like when people aren't taken care of that's when crime happens you know yeah. when, be- when, when people, people are aren't not taken receiving care of, the- that's when the violence happens yeah when they are not receiving in, in a way the love they deserve you know yes beautiful when they're not receiving the love they deserve you know they naturally those wounded parts of them lash out yeah and that's where the darker ambitious ambitions come from. Mm. And, you know, I think you and I both, I think, can agree that, you know, if you feel taken care of, it's not like you turn into like a lazy piece of shit. You know, <laughs> like if you if you we don't have, you know, this is this one argument. This isn't one argument against universal basic income, just as a modern day example. You know, mm. this is kind of the universal basic income verse of the Tao Te Ching. But, you know, it's like <laughs> it's like if you if you give people enough money to pay for their housing and food, you know, and everybody has that, people are just going to turn into lazy pieces of shit. They're not going to do anything, you know? Mm-hmm. First of all, my my reactions to that, number one, is why do people have to do anything anyway? Like, who says that? Who, why did you make, who made that shit up? Why can't we just have totally relaxed lives if we want, you know, mm-hmm. number one? But number two, nobody, that, that's going to happen to like 1% of the population because when people have their stuff taken care of, they actually do, do things that they, that then they care about themselves. Yes. You know, they, they automatically work on creative projects. They automatically do things to help other people. They automatically go explore areas of, of interest to them. So I, I personally don't, don't ever think something like universal basic income will stop the progression of humanity's creativity. You know, I do not think every, you know, every invention or piece of art has to come from, from like dire circumstances. Like let's take care of people. But I don't know. How do you feel about that? No, of course. Of course. I mean, uh, why is my business called peaceful creativity and why I feel those two things are, are totally connected is most, I mean, the most frequent reason I saw with my clients when their creativity is blocked or or if it feels like it's blocked is because they have their mind full of bullshits, you know, that are distracting them from this energy, creative energy, which is already inside them. So, of course, like if if you don't need to worry about money and food and, and uh, about food and where you're going and shelter, basically, then of course that those are two huge worries that disappear and that leave space for your creativity to 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 flourish you know and to express everything that's inside so yeah totally agree with you 
uh, it's it's a natural need to to express ourselves and if we can't do it because of you know um a job that's taking us too much time or too much energy or too much positivity because of the the, the nature of the corporate world uh, then we cannot express ourselves we cannot l let our creativity flow and it's like if we don't go to the toilet for a long time or, or if we don't fuck for a long time or if we don't <laughs> eat for a long time that's a basic need that's not being taken care of and that makes for angry people uh, that will go sometime act out in you know out there in society and so yeah, yeah. i totally agree with you that you i don't see how you, uh, ubi could uh, have a negative impact on creativity of people yeah yeah i love how you said that you know that it's like create the needs of, of creative expression is is just like having to go to the bathroom having to yeah. we wanting to have sex it's just it's a natural human function yes and we don't give credit to it like that i think that's a really good way to think of it mm. So this, this verse is almost saying, if we want to apply this particularly to our own lives, it's almost like this verse is saying, you know, take care of yourself as well. You know, like take care of the people around you, take care of yourself, like fill your belly, get your, have your bones, you know, take care of your bones, take care of yourself physically. And then, mm -hmm. you know, you won't, you won't succumb to your darker ambitions. You'll be able to you know, maybe there's something else available to you. Instead of succumbing to your darker ambitions, you'll be able to act. Let's read it again. You'll be able to practice not doing. Hmm. And when the action is pure and selfless, everything settles into its own perfect place. So I, I know that like, I mean, this is poses an interesting challenge for me in my own life because I know that I have personally, I've made decisions that went against my creativity for the sake of money hmm. in my life. You know, it's one of the well, big who things. hasn't, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's one of my big lessons, you know, like I made the decision, um, just one simple example, when I was in university, way back, way back then, I majored in creative writing, you know, and, but when I graduated from university, instead of pursuing some type of creative writing, I was like, well, no, but I need to make money. So where can I somehow apply this skill, but it's money. And I chose advertising you know, but I never liked working in advertising. I hated working in advertising, but it was, a, it was a totally practical decision, mm. you know? And, uh, and so I, I learned that was one of the many lessons where I had to not listen to my head in those situations. Mm. You know, I had to listen to some other wisdom to actually find the choice that's going to make me happy. That's a big part of what I talk about all the time to people. But, you know, but there is something in this verse that's saying, you know, and I think what, what kind of we're saying with the universal basic income idea is that when your needs are taken care of, you you have more maybe safety inside yourself yes. to not follow those darker thoughts of like, oh, I have to make more money. I have to make more money, you know? So, so, so this poses a challenge though for artistic and creative people because they want to be creative, but they want to... but. They, but they don't want to get stuck in that mode of, I need to make more money, I need to make more money, because that cuts off creativity. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like, this is reminding me of something Elizabeth Gilbert writes about in her book, Big Magic, which is all about creativity and her creative process. You know, she says she never asked her writing to make, to make money for her until it was already making money for her. You, are you familiar with this from Elizabeth Gilbert? She was like, you, she was like, you know, she had a job 
all the way up until I think her already her second novel was published. Mm-hmm. And then finally for her third novel, she got like a big advance from the publisher and she then she finally quit her job. Like her, her, in her mind, you know, she wanted her creativity to always be free. Hmm. So she had a she had a job that was not related to her creativity, you know, and so that her creativity would not be burdened with the need to to generate make, money, make the yeah. money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I think this is for for everyone listening to this, the takeaways, I think this is a very interesting question. You know, how, like if we want to work for ourselves, if we want to be more creative in the world, we do have physical needs that yes. needs to get ca- taken care of. So what's the balance? Where's the, how do we take care of those needs so we feel free to let our creativity flow? As as you're saying, you've seen so many people stuck because they're stuck in their needs mode instead of their creative mode. So how do we get, let our needs get taken care of so that the creativity can flow, you know, and not get stuck in these darker ambition thoughts that force us to go for possessions and money and things like this um, at the expense of our, are more flowing action. So I don't know, uh, what do you think? I think ego is the enemy here. Mm-hmm. And by that I mean, uh, that's a lesson that I, I've I've received very recently that I was worried about my current business and career and on the financial side. And uh, my friends told me, well, you don't have to make all your money from this particular activity that you like so much. Because I happen to love my business. Peaceful creativity is really me expressing myself and that's amazing that that's just like if i was composing music for me and as a matter of of a fact i don't feel the need to create music because i create this business at the moment but my ego was telling me okay this is your career this is the part of your life that will bring money and you need to focus on that and that's absolutely wrong because money was coming to my life from other means and i was like almost discarding them like no 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 sorry money needs to come from this because i decided that this is where the money comes from and um yeah for damn i forgot why i, why I was no that makes that. a lot of sense though that makes a lot of sense it's so it's not actually a conflict between you working on your creative stuff and getting your needs met it's just your egoic mind basically coming up with some definitions and coming up with yes, some li- yes. boxes and walls yes and yes. walls that it, it categorizes things and puts things in little buckets yeah. and then and then it so it's like okay this is my work then this that has to be the money bucket but that's yes. not true that's what you're saying yes exactly and i i have i had the i actually had a similar experience like maybe 6 years ago I was living the dream. I was finally making money from the music, which was my dream at the time. As you said, I was making music for, for video games. But again, because of the ego was because the ego was telling me no money, music needs to make money for you. I ended up treating music making as a job. And I was like, okay, okay, I need to finish this order really fast so I can take this other, this other order. And it sucked, man. It was really, I lost the happiness of expressing myself through through art. You know, I took some jobs, I did some music jobs I didn't really want to do, and I, I, I was pushing myself to finish it earlier than what it deserved, and. That's not cool. That's like, what's the point of doing something you love if you're not enjoying it in the process? And unfortunately, if you want to box it 
if your ego pushes you to box your creative endeavor with your money-making thing, that's probably what's going to happen, you know? Yeah, that's a great point. It can, our, our joy, our like creative hobbies, these things we love to do can so quickly turn into, turn into that burden. I've, yes. I've no, I've found that too with coaching. And, and what you're saying is, you know, can turn into that. Cause I actually love coaching, but then there are times, there have been times in the past where it's like, it's like, no, you like, oh, this, oh, no, I have to do this. Oh no, I have to do this meeting. I have to do this meeting. Like, oh, I don't want to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and actually what, what's happened is it's not like, you know, I don't like coaching. It's just that it turned into like a, it turned into this have to, yes. it turned into this burden and it turned into that. I think uh, you're totally right. I think it turned into that because the ego is like, this has to turn out in a certain way. This has to look like this and it has to bring in this money and you have to get these results. Yes. And it stopped being like just a joy of the process. Mm. It stopped being a, a enjoying the process and it started being about results and what I'm going to get from it. What am I going to get from it? What am I going to get from it? Yes. And that there's a great, yeah, this is a great, great point. So if anybody out there working on something creative for themselves, if, if you let your ego define what has to come from the creativity. If you, if you let your ego decide you have to get money or get status or get these possessions and things like this in the Tao Te Ching third verse from your creative work, your ego is going to hijack that joy of actually being in the process and flow of your creativity. So for me, that that also resonates, sorry, with the, with the, the end of the verse when the art, the art of not doing, you know, yes. the art of not calculating. Okay. You like to play piano, play the piano. It does, you don't need to have a business plan for everything you do. You know, just go create music, just write some stuff, just, just do theater, just, you know, build a business. Even if the, even if it's not following the rules and you're not sure it's going to work, build it because you enjoy it. You enjoy the people you meet, you enjoy the experience you are, uh, that this goal brings you. Uh, and I know that's, that this activity brings you just do it without planning everything that, that's my way of I mean that's what came to me when I hear the art of not doing is trusting the universe trusting that things will be okay and just do what you really want to do and you know handle let's let reality handle itself yes yes I love that you brought in that last verse because I think you're absolutely right in fact the way it's phrased in the change your thoughts, change your life version is practice not doing when the action is pure and selfless, everything settles into its own perfect place. So it's like when you have the purity of doing the action just for the action itself, because you enjoy the action itself, not because you're trying to get something. It's that that's the selfless part. You know, you're not doing the action to manipulate somebody. You're not doing the action to, get somebody to give you something. You're not doing the action to create some outcome that your ego wants. You're doing the action for the purity of the action itself because you enjoy it. And when you do that, that's the effortless spot. That's when everything else falls into its own perfect place. Outcomes still happen. Results yes. still happen. It's yes. not like you have to worry that there's like, you're going to do, you're going to create something and like nothing's going to happen. That's almost impossible. But the yeah. point is, is your ego is not controlling what it thinks it should be. And, and that, and when that control isn't there, it keeps the joy in it. Yeah. 
Yeah, man. I think we, I think we unpacked it. I think we unpacked it. (laughs) It's beautiful. Thank you so much for your help on this. I'm going to let you finish, you know, send the audience away with some final wise words from the wise Arnaud Mathieu of peacefulcreativity.com. What is your main takeaway from today and today's conversation? Well, I think I think I've said it uh, along the way. So, if you want some wise word, I would say you know, brush your teeth twice a day. Because <laughs> <laughs> these apply to all of us who have teeth, and I think that's important. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, well, I, I I gave the floor to you, and that's what happened. So that's where we're gonna end, everybody. Brush your teeth twice a day and maybe something else from the episode is your takeaway from the third verse of the Tao Te Ching Arno thank you so much for being here on this show I really enjoyed it I hope you come on uh, many more times to help me unpack some of the other 81 verses of the Tao Te Ching and uh, do you have anything else about what you want to share with people about your project or where they can find you or anything like this yeah okay thank you well uh People can just go to peacefulcreativity.com slash welcome because we made a, a special page to welcome people who are come to us uh, for the first time and uh, check the Peaceful Creativity podcast, which is being distributed everywhere, everywhere on uh, iTunes and Spotify and other places. And um, yeah, that's it. I mean, I'm very happy that you invited me on the show. I was a little bit nervous uh, because I, as I said, I have no, I had no connection with this book before, but I was like, okay, no, it's the no effort human. So I'm not going to prepare and just see what <laughs> happened. And uh, uh, this, this verse had some nice reminder and, and uh, thoughts for that I can apply to my life, you know, about status, about ambition, about ego, about trusting the universe um so it was very interesting and useful for me and i thank you one more time for inviting me yeah absolutely arno well it was great to have you on Uh, it it brought up some questions for me too about like where am i still trying to get status you know where is there somewhere i'm still trying to use my work to like get possessions for myself instead of Mm. just enjoying the work i think i think that actually could help me a lot because i've been in i've felt some energy inside me recently some some uh, some parts, some fragments to integrate that were based on this uh, this idea of like having to do things that other mm. people tell me and and actually not enjoying things for myself for my, my own sake. So I think this is spot on for me, and that's usually the way it goes. If you're listening to this, people, hopefully it was spot on for you too in in some way. So thanks so much to everybody listening. That's going to be it for this episode. Definitely, you know, subscribe to uh, to this on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening so you can continue the journey with us. Uh, and the fourth verse is coming up next and beyond. And if you have a particular question about this episode or something sparked you, definitely send me a note at my website, which is davidpapa.live. And you can, uh, yes, yeah, send me a question or anything, and I would love to feature it on the show. So that's it for today. Arnaud, all the best to you. Thanks one more time for joining. Thank you. And everybody else, all the best to you too. Good luck out there finding that flow and becoming the No Effort Human. No Effort Human.